We continue this morning with our Love Letter from God series. We're in Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And so I would ask you to stand as we read that this morning. We'll also read our key verse for the entire series, John 3.16. We'll start with that one. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jazadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to all of us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. There is a little parable that you might have heard that goes like this. A mother had a son who had an extremely bad temper. He would often do or say some extremely hurtful things, after which he would seem really repentant. No matter what mom said, she could not get her child to think before he reacted. One day while washing dishes, she had an idea. She called her son to her, and she handed him a plate. And she said, throw that plate on the ground. After some encouragement, he did. He threw the plates on the ground, and of course, the plates broke into several pieces. Now, she said, let's glue this plate back together. And they worked together, and they glued it together as best they could. And mother said, now... Tell this plate you're sorry that you threw it on the ground. The child looked confused, but saw that his mother was serious, so he said his apology. Now, is the plate as good as new? She asked him. And he shook his head no. Although it was back together, it was never going to look the way it looked before he had dropped it on the floor. And mom went on to explain to him that this is what happens 
when you sever relationship with people by giving that by using hurtful words even when you apologize it doesn't 100% repair everything the way it was and the parable is very true when things are destroyed it is impossible to see them come together again as perfectly as they were before this is a little bit of what the Israelites are going through here. This is the southern kingdom. They had been in exile. They've come back after the 70 years, and they're going to rebuild the temple. That's their job. But they realize that they can't do this very well. So initially, they start out by repairing their own homes first, thinking maybe if we do that, then we'll get some better ideas. And God says, look, just build my temple. So they start working on it, and they get so far with it. And there are still some people who are among the remnants here in Judah who remember what the former temple looked like. You'll remember that Solomon built the former temple, and that temple was resplendent. It had so much about it. There were um, walls that were covered in gold, and there were uh, there was just a richness and a vastness about it that was amazing. These are people who were living in exile for so many years, for 70 years, and they've come back. They do not have the resources that Solomon did as a great and powerful king, and so they've done the best they can, but their restoration project has fallen a little bit short. And those who remember the former temple are a little bit dismayed and discouraged by what has happened. And God comes to them and says, in the form of Haggai, he says, look, I get it. It doesn't look the way you think it should look. But I'm here to tell you that in your faithfulness, in doing what I've asked you to do, in following through with building this temple, this temple will eventually be full of my glory again. And the people hear this, and I mean, they're looking at it, and they're kind of like, mm, okay, if you say so. Ultimately, we know that God brought glory to that temple through Jesus. When Jesus came back to that temple, he gave them a sense of that former glory. Then the temple was destroyed again. And now it still lays in ruins. They have one wall. That's the weeping wall. If you've ever been to Jerusalem or if you've ever heard of the weeping wall in Jerusalem, that is the one wall of the temple that remains. But they're waiting for Jesus to return. Because when Jesus returns, he will set all things right. And he will restore the new Jerusalem on the new earth. And it will be the way that it was meant to be in the beginning. And all of this, the story of how the temple was built the second time and how the glory of the temple is restored to it, is a picture for us of what God does when he moves in and he sees that we are being faithful. God is a God of restoration. He restores what was broken. He restores what was lost. He restores all things. It's what he's been doing from Genesis to now. 
He built things perfectly, the garden. He built it perfectly. It was exactly what he intended it to be. And we broke it. And since we broke it, God has been gluing the pieces back together. He has been giving us pictures of what it looks like to be restored to him. Pictures of what it looks like to be restored in our relationship. Pictures of what it looks like for us to not have to fear death and disease and all the things that we worry about. Because ultimately, God is a God of restoration and God is making all things new. We know that this is God's intention for us all the way along. We know that God intends for us to have restored relationships with each other. We read about uh, Peter's restoration in John when Jesus comes to him after the crucifixion and the resurrection. When Peter has rejected or denied Jesus in front of all these people three times. And then Jesus comes to him and three times he says, Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And that is a restoration of a relationship. But when God restores things, God doesn't restore them halfway. He restores them completely. And so Peter's restoration was complete. We see restoration between us and God. That's what God has been working on. And we know that ultimately God is going to restore everything. Paul tells us that the all of creation is groaning, waiting for that restoration to happen. And that restoration happens when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, Jesus has promised that we can live abundant lives. And one of the ways that we can live abundant lives is by having restored relationships now. By having a restored relationship with God now. By trusting in God's restoration promises now. If you've ever been in a circumstance where you've had a broken relationship with someone, you know how hard that can be. Especially if it's someone that you're related to. If it's someone that should be in a relationship with you. Now, I am not saying that you should run out and get back into a toxic relationship with someone. Because God protects us, gives us tools to protect ourselves from toxicity by giving us the wisdom to build barriers between us and people who are toxic. But we should do things to restore relationship where that relationship isn't damaging to us or to the other person. We should be working to restore relationship. And that is actually God's instruction for restoration to the people of Judah through Haggai. He says three things to them. It's a, he says, be strong, which means... Be steadfast. Stand true. Be ready for whatever comes at you. 
You're going to have some people who are discouraging you. This was specifically true to the Judites who are building the temple, rebuilding the temple. They are going to have opposition. They are going to have people who come against them. And so God says, be strong. And then, work. I, I think it's interesting that sometimes we think that we should just be able to not have to do anything. Because, you know, we can trust in the promise of the cross. We know that Jesus has done all of the work for our righteousness. But that doesn't mean that at the end we don't have some sort of obligation to work on knowing Christ better. To work on living faithful lives. And so God has told the Judahites, the remnant, to work in the restoration process. And then the last thing that God says is, do not fear. Do not fear because I will be with you. That is always God's promise, isn't it? Don't we hear that kind of threaded throughout everything that we talk about in terms of who God is, is about we don't have to fear because God is with us. Whatever it is, that you're facing in terms of restoring relationships with other people or working through things that you know need to be restored in your own heart and life, God says, do not fear, for I am with you. God's restoration may not make everything look exactly the same as it did before. It certainly wasn't true for the temple, right? The temple looked one way, and then it looked another way. But God does restore. And God's restoration is better restoration, is better than leaving it in shambles. As you go through the week to come, you may find yourself thinking about what restoration looks like for you. Maybe you don't have any broken relationships. Maybe every relationship you have is perfect and you do not need any kind of restoration in your life. That's okay. But perhaps you need some sort of restoration between you and God. Maybe there's something that God can show you that you need to work on between the two of you. That restoration can come with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. If you stay, <clears throat> if you keep yourself reading the scriptures and praying, God will show you what kinds of restoration are important for you. What things you need to focus on. What things you need to think about doing in order to restore your relationship. As you do that this week, just remember that you do not have to fear the restoration process and that whatever you are doing in that moment, God is with you. I ask you to pull out your blue sheets. Dylan, maybe you can pass out blue sheets, make sure everybody has one.
And then if you would read along on the bolded parts of your page. What does it mean to say God loves? God loves us enough. To create us, to form us from the dust. God loves us enough. To let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's. To let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. God loves us enough. To provide a rescue, a way back. Through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and final judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. And God's love is expressed to us every week most tangibly as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.